0: Women are powerful and have accomplished great things. Yet sometimes we suffer from self doubt, fear, and limiting beliefs. We often believe that we are not good enough. These negative beliefs stop us from achieving our goals. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have experienced struggles yet found ways to step into their power, their greatness, and learn to embrace challenges. These women will share their stories and give you insights to help you on your path so you can follow your dreams. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. My
1: guest today is the founder of Genius is Common Movement. He is also the founder of Deaf Poetry Jam on HBO. My guest is Bruce George. Bruce, welcome.
2: Hey, how are you, Esme? Oh,
1: I'm doing fabulous. Thank you so much. So I am just really excited to have you on the show.
2: Thank you. I'm excited as well. And I want to thank you uh, for having me on your show. I want to thank the good Lord for blessing us to be here first and foremost. And I want to thank your listeners for listening in.
1: Yes, thank you so much. So go back to um, Bruce as a child. What were some of your struggles?
2: Um, yeah, as a child, I was uh, born in Harlem, raised in the Bronx. I've been living in Brooklyn now for over 15 years. But as a child, um, I was in the Bronx. And, you know, the inner, city, um, the inner city challenges, you know, the challenges of being in the inner city. Um, at the time, um, you know, the Bronx was burning at the time because a lot of the landlords, the slum lords, wanted to burn the buildings down uh, because of white flight. And so um, I was a part of that era. So I used to, as a child, always mm-hmm. smelling fires, seeing fires, um, you know, and just seeing the white flight take place. Because it was right. a lot of Irish in the neighborhoods at the time. And then the Irish just kind of like got out of Dodge. And right. the landlords burned the builders down so they can get the insurance uh, money. And then they use gang members actually to do it, by the way, which is interesting. Because the gang members were from the, the same neighborhood that they were burning down,
1: yeah
2: so, so it was just one of those things where it was a lot of gang violence, um, you know um, a lot of drug addiction um, around that time heroin addiction, you know and alcoholism and stuff like that so it was a bit, it was a very precarious time and era around that time, and as a child, you know when you're young, you really don't see the danger of it right per se, because you have that sense of mortality, that sense of immortality, rather. And so, you know, we used to play in abandoned buildings. I mean, because the bur- when the builders were burned out, that became our playhouse. That was right. our, our building became our playhouse. So, you know, I, I remember jumping on pissy mattresses and fighting on pissy mattresses. And, you know, um, and then uh, when they would throw the shopping carts out or the baby carriages out, that would become our go karts, We would turn it into go karts. So all of those things was a part of uh, our childhood. And it seemed, it was the new normal for us. So for me, it was just one of those things where it's like I was going along with the flow. Um, It was dangerous, but to us, it didn't seem dangerous because we were so in the mix of things. playing, Playing in these abandoned buildings, not realizing that when the fire marshal puts an X on outside of the building, that means that it's very dangerous to go inside. And it was by God's grace that nothing happened to us. That the building had fallen fall on us, you know, because that was that whole building was our playhouse.
1: Right. So, so tell so, me. So, once um they put an X at the front of the building, and so they they burned the building down. Now, did, would they rebuild?
2: Eventually, they rebuilt. They would rebuild it, um, you know. But um, when we were playing in it, um, they didn't rebuild those buildings for quite a while because it took a while for them. Uh, to let white flight take place or take shape. So, they had a, you know, they had, to burn, they had to burn building by building. And that took a while. Um, they couldn't make it super obvious. So, you know, they would burn one building this week and then another one another week or two weeks later. So it was one of those things where they had to do it gradually. Right. And after the building was burned down, then the fire department would put an X outside of the building to let you know that it's inhabitable, Oh, and right. to, to enter. And so... To answer your question, um, it was very adventurous as a child. Um, you know, and we did things. Uh, you know, stealing in, you know, supermarkets and I steal a meat. You know, I go in the supermarket, I steal a meat. You steal a bread. You steal a juice. You steal a milk. Or you steal a cheese, and then we run out. You know, and then we would meet at the clubhouse, which is our band and building, right. and, then, um, and, and start divvying up everything and stuff like that. So that was sort of like a normal thing.
1: Yeah. So what, where were your parents at the time?
2: At work. You know, okay. I was single parent at home. My mother was at work and which happens often in single parent homes yes. where the child becomes latchkey. And then, you know, and it's not anything to not having a good upbringing. It was just more or less like when a parent is not around and you're in a single parent home, no one is there to watch you.
1: Right. You know raised what? me as
2: best she could, but she just couldn't c- keep up with me.
1: Right, I I can relate to that because um I'm from I'm a product of a sing, you know from single mom too, and um, lucky for for us my sister was like a little mom, and she kept exactly. an eye on us right so but yeah exactly. but that was a struggle because my mom never came to parent teacher meeting anything like that because she's basically working or you know or two three jobs to put exactly. um you know clothes us and put bread on the table and to you know so that we can survive, so. Mm-hmm. So Bruce, fast forward now to a teenager. What were you like as a teenager?
2: Well, as a teenager, um, I went to Samuel Gompers. I had a very checkered past, you know, and while at Samuel Gompers, which was an all-boys school in the South Bronx, you know, because I didn't have a father in my life, um, that angered me. I didn't realize it, but, you know, a lot of young um, Black boys or just boys in general, when they, they don't have their father in their lives, that could really make them very, very angry in terms of not knowing how, knowing how to relate to people and knowing how to relate to society. And so that's what made me join gangs. Um, you know, I was in several different gangs when I was a kid. And then um, when I went to Simu Garpers High School, which they recently closed it down, it was, the, it was an all boys school, high school in the South Bronx, nothing but blacks and Puerto Ricans. And um, I was there for a minute, and I wound up starting a riot between the Blacks and Puerto Ricans, and it was called Insight the Riot, which uh, was the charge that was on, you know, that I received. And uh, from there, that was the best thing that happened to me, though, because when I did that, I wound up going to Job Corps as opposed to jail. You ended up going
1: to where? Sorry, end up going to where?
2: To Job Corps, Glenmont oh. Job Corps. Oh, I Mouth. see. And I didn't realize it, but that was an alternative to jail. Um, and or a home and didn't realize that Jalco is like a home it's almost like a jail a little bit right so while I was there I was fighting punching windows out selling minor drugs and setting fires to broom closets because when you get in trouble they give you hours of work so I said okay if you're gonna give me hours of work I'm gonna burn these broom closets down so you know it was one of those things where I was just like setting broom closets on fire and you know, out of anger and, uh, you know, fighting and stuff like that while I was there. But actually, I had a good time there, actually, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty fun.
1: Right. So why did you decide to, um, to create a, a riot between the Puerto Ricans and the Blacks?
2: It was a lot of tension um, going on and a lot of posturing. And so the guy that uh, calls the uh, lunch, you know, the guy that has the, the microphone and he calls the lunch for people to stand up in line, smacked him took his mic and, and said you know what you know little cuss words here and said so, you know all this posturing I didn't use the word posturing I was like yeah you think you're bad you think we, we think we bad like whatever let's make it happen right why did I do that <laughs> after yeah. that it was stabbing stabbing it started out as a food fight and then from there it started the stabbing house and all that so wow yeah it was crazy it was great and it, it was built like a prison you know um once you're in you're in It was built like a prison. It was just all boy school, nothing but testosterone. So, you know, I was just a class clown as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And just very impressionable and just just needed that attention.
1: Right. So fast forward now that you're a a young adult. What were some of the other struggles?
2: Um, Well, you know, Ozzie Davis said it best. He said, being an African-American, however, implies that something at the core of your existence is in crisis mode. Or will be at some point in life he's also said all struggles between the power to resist and the power to oppress so no matter what you do just by default of being a black african descent you're going to have issues and so you know um as a as an adult now you know my issues is just my blackness you know and but you know i've learned to 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 roll with the punches and i've learned to and i put myself in precarious situations as best i can um, you know, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't hang out. So by me eliminating, eliminating all those things from my diet, um, it really doesn't put me in situations that, that I otherwise would be if I was smoking and drinking and hanging out. So I stopped all of that eons ago, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I found God, you know, at one time I was a Muslim and actually I became a five percenter, um, uh, the five percent of gods and earths when I was at Job Corps. And then from there, when I left there, then I became a Sunni Muslim, an Orthodox Sunni Muslim. So that forced a discipline for me. And I thank God for that. Right. And then fast forward to now, um, you know, I wound up accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So with that said, that really turned my life around, kept me drug free. And, and you know, you know, I wouldn't say anger free, but it kept me drug free and kept me like on the straight and narrow, so to speak. And I thank God for that.
1: Okay. Now, now, how did you, um, what happened that you um, accepted um, Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What happened?
2: I'll tell you exactly how that came about. Um, because I was a Muslim at one time, you know, I started watching the televangelists. And, you know, I started like, you know, T.D. Jakes and all of these different ones, Joel Osteen and, you know, all of these different televangelists, right? And even ones prior to them. And I would agree with everything they were saying, except when they got to the part, okay, let's accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then I would, they would lose me then. Then one day when I was in the shower, um, it was a time when I was going through some real, real, real deep trials and tribulations. And while I was in the shower, I I didn't even realize what was happening. It was a form of baptism. Baptism, I just threw my hands up and I said, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in the shower. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what was coming down on me? I didn't even realize that that was a form of baptism. Right. Yeah. And I just accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I was teary-eyed, and I was just—I just threw my hands up, and I was like, "Lord, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior." While I'm in the shower, and the water's coming down on me, I was like, "And that was it."
1: Wow. And then, yeah. so did,
2: did you find a church to go to, or um, you just eventually I found? Eventually, I um I found um a non denominational church. Um, that I went to and then went to various different churches since then.
1: Right. So now how,
2: how,
1: how did you um, end up in, you know, in getting yourself involved in, in writing poetry? I,
2: okay. Because I, I started as a rap artist uh-huh. from the Bronx. And so. Um, so you started as
1: a, as, a, as a rap artist,
2: right? Yeah, I started as a rap artist when hip hop first got started. So I'm which they would call an OG, you know, I've been in the business since it first started. So I was, they used to call me Curious MC, Curious George MC. Right. Because I was always a very curious kid. Um, and so I started out as an MC and when hip hop first started in the Bronx. And then eventually, um, as I got older, I kind of morphed away from hip hop. And then I wound up getting um, into spoken word. But I was writing poetry then around the whole, because I wrote my own raps. And I was writing poetry as well. So I wrote poetry at a very, very young age. You know, and then from poetry, I started writing rap lyrics, and then right. from rap, rap lyrics, I got away from that, and then eventually, as I got into my adult age, then I started writing um, spoken word um, poetry, right. and then that's what enabled me to um, become a part of the spoken word world um, over a quarter of a century ago, and then I was blessed to rise among the ranks, and then I wound up creating Deaf Poetry Jam on HBO with Russell Simmons.
1: Right. That, tell, tell us about that, because that must have been a great experience for you and Russell.
2: Thank you. Thank you. So, um, with uh, Deaf Poetry Jam, um, I was the uh, founder of that Poetry Jam, co-founder is The Politic. I brought the concept of Danny Simmons, who brought it to Russell Simmons, who brought it to HBO. Um, and well, we wound up getting a, a, a Peabody Award for six, six seasons on HBO and a Tony Award for the Broadway version. I was a town executive at HBO, and executive consultant to the Broadway show. And the rest, as they say, is history. Nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it extended the shelf life of poetry. Um, I mean, that really put me all over the map. And then when you fast forward to um, 2000, the latter part of 2014, is when I created, uh, you know, um, the Genius is Common Movement. God Mm -hmm. bless me to create that.
1: Right. So before we talk about that, so what's the difference between poetry and writing and rap? Um, how um, do you, how Rakim are they, how Kim are they the different? Best.
2: Rakim said it the best. The, the, the rap artist, Rakim said, rap is rhythm and poetry. You know, that's what rap is, is rhythm and poetry, is the rhythm and poetry piece. So if you want to talk about the difference between rap and poetry, um, rap has more of a, you know, poetry is more like, rap has more, of a thematic, um, it has the more of aesthetic, but the poetry is more of the thematic depth of it, right? So the beats and all of that is more of the aesthetic, and when you talk about the poetry, and that's more of the thematic depth to it. So that's what will separate it,
1: right? And and so if you can write poetry, can you also write rap?
2: Um, not necessarily, um, because of the fact that you know, um, you know. One's culture plus experience equals one's frame of reference. You know, like, um, you kind of like have to live that life in order to relate to it. Right. And, and when you can relate to it, then you can move on it and act accordingly. I mean, Charlie Parker said it best. If you haven't lived it, it won't come out your horn.
1: Right. I love that.
2: I appreciate that. And by the way, I'm a master quotologist, so. <laughs> I can tell.
1: I can tell. You're, you're, you're dropping some lines on me and
2: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you i been a quoteologist. I know, seriously, I'm a master quoteologist. I have, I have I'm, I'm quoted around the world of every single day, of every nanosecond. I have thousands of my own quotes, and the quotes that have the memory of others is staggering, and it's not because of who I am, it's because of whose I am, right? There's no such thing as extraordinary people. It's ordinary people that do things extraordinarily well. So right. every second, I'm quoted around the world. Nice. Thank you, and thousands of my own quotes.
1: Oh, I love quote. that. Now, quote. did you write a book or is this from um, your poetry or from your
2: Basically, rap? I plan on writing a book of quotes. The spirit hasn't led me to that. I've been asked that a gazillion times, but the spirit hasn't led me to write a book of quotes yet. Right. Um, and when it leaves me, I'll definitely move on that because I'm spirit led. And right. that's how I move. I move in a very spirit led fashion.
1: Now, how do people, how do they get, um, how do they quote you? Because where do they get your words from?
2: Oh, I tell you, I've been quoting for so long and have so many quotes out there. What happens is um, online companies they, when I, um, cause my quotes, they always, my quotes always will go on a social media tour. And so I use these amazing quote apps. And when I post the quote every single day, the quote goes on a social media tour. So it's blasted out on LinkedIn, Google Plus, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the whole nine. And I've been quoting for so long that a lot of these um, apps they wait for my quotes to come, and they tag me because my tag is hashtag# quoteologist hashtag# word engineer. I own that right and so they pick up on that what? and then they post it to their sites, their websites every single day they do it Why wow. No, they didn't get my permission. I'm glad they did it so why why quote, why are you glad they did it? Because I want my quotes to get out there okay. Yeah, that, that's the goal. That's why I have them go on a social media tour so I can build a an admirer base.
1: Right, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. G- so genius is common now. Tell us about that.
2: Well, the genius is common movement actually got started for one of my quotes <laughs> because I would go around the country and I would ask the youth, we need the word genius when image comes to mind. And they would always say Einstein or a light bulb or Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. And every now and then I would get a Jordan And that troubled me. And I said, you know what? Let me write a quote about that. And the quote is, notwithstanding Einstein, genius is common. And then that turned into the slogan, genius is common, which turned into an entire movement. As we speak, we have a presence in all 50 states, 14 countries with 16 ambassadors and growing. Nice. Yeah. We have a presence in Jamaica, Barbados, Ghana, Kenya, Dubai, Norway, Nigeria, the UK, Canada, the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. We're about to have a presence in the Dominican Republic. Um, we're the first and only YouTube video-based movement on the planet. We have over 765 geniuses comment videos on our website from people from all walks of life, race, color, creed, sexual orientation, saying the name, saying what the geniuses, and then saying geniuses common. We're Celebrity Magnet. We have over 66 celebrities that actually did geniuses comment videos. The right. Mal- Malik Yoba, Nicki Giovanni, The Last Poets, the late Tommy Ford from the Mont Lawrence Show. Predator Stanis, a.k.a. Thelma from Good Times, actor Dorian Wilson, comedian Roddy Perry. We even have a genius come coming video from the first Black Bond girl from the James Bond flicks. Her name is Trina Park, Black Don't Crack. We have one from the legendary um, actor Antonio Fargus, who played Huggy Band Stasky and in I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. We have one from the legendary actor and film producer Bill Duke. Wow. Um, <laughs> <Predator> <laughs> Commando, Yeah, Predator Commando, Menace's Society, Car Wash. He's in his current TV show, Blue Thunder. And so We have videos from um, Tarana Burke, the Black woman that created the Me Too movement. And then 36 classic vintage rappers. So this movement is about to break mainstream any day now, any hour now, any month now, like Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movements, respectively.
1: Right. So you're all over the place. So then now the the movement. So if somebody wants to get involved with with this movement, what's the first thing for them to do?
2: What they would do is they can go to GeniusIsCommon.com. And when they go there, they can check out our website. They'll see the videos. They'll see, you know, um, press kit, um, a press release. Uh, They'll see um, this events page, Facebook group, all of those different things. Bookstore. We have a Genius Black Inventors page. Um, We have a Partners page, a Products and Services page. Um, And they can get in contact with me if they're interested in joining the movement. So Again, that's www.geniusiscommon.com.
1: Oh, awesome. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want uh, to, um, to be a part of a great movement, contact Bruce. So yes. Bruce, so, mm-hmm. so how do you decrease stress in your life?
2: Um, by prayer and meditation. It's a good question. Um, I pray every single day. I don't meditate every single day. So I'm, I'm accused of that, but I pray every single day. Uh, that's a form of um, no de-stressing me. And when I do meditate, that further helps distress stress me as well. And then I don't do, I don't do fear, I do faith. I, I,
0: don't
2: love, fear. I love
1: that. So explain that. I don't do fear, I do faith. Explain that, because I love that.
2: I appreciate that, because God says in the Bible that fear drives a snare. Whatever you fear, you drive it to you, right? Right. And so um, I have the faith of Job, you know, so I don't walk around in fear. You know, I have a relationship with God, and I'm under grace, not under law. And God says in the Bible, all things happen to the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. So whatever right. happens to me in life, it doesn't happen to me. It happens for me. Right. Because I'm under grace. So I, My outlook is different. See, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's the renewing of the mind and there's a renewing of the spirit. Right. So I don't think the way I used to think and I don't move the way I used to move. And as a result of that, whenever something happens to me, I mis—I reinterpret that as it's not happening to me, it's happening for me.
1: Right, exactly, because God knows the path. There's a reason why you didn't get the, whatever you, you wanted to get. Exactly. You know, it, whether it's a job or, you know, or, right. or a promotion. Or a relationship
2: or... that went south. Sour. Yes. Oh, there's always a reason for it. Yeah, you definitely. Okay, one of the or anything. God wanted you to get out of that apartment and you didn't want to leave, so He evicted you. Yeah, like, exactly. So you can go somewhere else and spread your action. So oh, all I love things that. Happen to the good, all things happen to the good of those who love the Lord or called according to his purpose.
1: Oh, preach. I love it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we bring the church up in here, right?
1: I love it, Bruce.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
1: that's right. Because a lot of people, when things don't go right, they, you know, the woe is me and they, you know, the pity party. Instead pity of saying, party. there's a reason why, you know?
2: Always a reason. There's a value <laughs> in the valley, as Vance and Sexton says in Acts of Faith. And she has a book called Valley in the Valley. There's always a value in the valley. Right. right? Exactly. And every, everything inter-R and inter-B. The Buddhists talk about the notion of everything inter-R and inter-B. You know, good has the seas of bad, love has the seeds of hate, peace has the seas of war. And so when you understand that fact that everything is transitory, and one thing has a tendency to morph into the other, which morphs into the other, which morphs into the other. So right. everything is temporal. So yes. when you're going through something, you know, go through it. I mean, general Patton said the best. When you're going through hell, keep going.
1: Right. Exactly. Stuck keep, in it. keep going. Keep going. Because, you know, if you end up, um, you know, losing that, getting fired from that job or, you know, or lo- or losing your, your lifelong partner or, you know, to yeah. divorce or whatever, just there's, whatever. there's a reason for it.
2: There's a reason for it. There's a reason, you know, and whenever I hear somebody that loses their job, the first thing I do is I congratulate them on their freedom. Right. Yeah, I'm like now you do something different. Right. Something gonna you know take you in a whole another direction. And actually, there is a symbol from, there's a Chinese symbol for crisis. On one side is opportunity, and the other side is danger. And I tell people take this side of opportunity.
1: Right. Reinvent yourself.
2: <laughs> well, reinvention is the key to longevity.
1: Right. So, what would you say to the, the people now? Who, I mean, I can. We all know about the coronavirus going on worldwide. What would you say to them, who are people who lost their jobs?
2: I would say to them, you know, this is a time for you to be reflective. This is the time for you to have faith and not fear. This is the time for you to rel- to be still. So you can work towards reinventing yourself. And then also, this is a time where your faith is being tested. You know, yes. God said in the Bible that uh, He will separate the, the wheat from the tear right? Well, the wheat are the believers and the tear are the non-believers. That's right. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. You know, so he's going to separate the wheat from the tear. So all of those people that profess to be Christians or Muslims or wherever they are, during the coronavirus, God is watching. He's watching to see who has faith and who don't. Oh, you have little faith, right? So yes. those individuals that have the faith, it's almost like the Passover. It goes right past them. Yes. It's those individuals that are fearful. (laughs) They bring their immune system down. By your immune system going down, it makes you more susceptible to to diseases and cancer and everything else. And so when you have faith, it inoculates you. Yes. Oh, I love it. Yes. When you have faith, it inoculates you from diseases. It inoculates you from, you know, fear driving a snare to you. Because, you know, as Christians, we are taught that, when the devil comes upon us to rebuke him. And when you resist him, he will flee. Right, Resist the devil and he will flee. So that's how I move and that's how I operate. I mean, we must pray and watch though. Don't just pray, but you must watch. You don't kick a, if you kick a stone, you're going to hurt your foot. If you jump out of a building, you're going to fall victim to gravity, natural law and and spiritual law. Of course. Definitely. Don't do stupid things, but at the same token, um, I pray and watch and that's how I move. Right. Oh, I love
1: that. And on those words, um, Bruce, thank you so much for, uh, allowing me to interview today. I, it's a, it was a privilege.
2: No, it was a privilege. And I want to thank you as me for the, for the interview or to thank you listeners for listening in, um, and just continue to have that faith over fear.
1: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Bruce. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to sprinting to success podcast and to learn more about Bruce, go to esmelawrence.com. Thank you and have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success with your host, Esme Lawrence. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to esmelawrence.com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.